Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we tackle your questions on wishy-washy guests splitting the check, TSA pre-check lines, and a sticky business question about working on teams. All that plus your feedback, salute, and a postscript segment on your life's purpose. Coming Coming up. up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Yes, you heard that correctly. I'm Dan Post-Senning. I'm still here. We're still (laughs) waiting. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. We definitely thought that by this point it would probably... Well, I thought by this point it would probably... You've had an inclination that maybe this baby was a week later than we suspected. It's been my instinct that everything um, over the course of this pregnancy, we've been right towards the end of the developmental stage window at whatever stage of the pregnancy we're at. Right. You're not on the early side of it. You're at the end. Exactly. So I feel like we're right on time but by the calendar and by um, our our anticipated due date we're we're still waiting and we're definitely um, anticipating the the new arrival any day now hopefully when this show airs on monday there'll be a new little bundle of joy and we'll have some surprise guest hosts for you while Dan is off on paternity leave. Double, triple fingers crossed. I know, we're very excited about it. I will miss you all dearly. <laughs> I was actually thinking that my dad was going to get to be one of those surprise guest hosts, but um, unfortunately, he is going to be already leaving for Florida by the time that we're going to need our extra guests. So instead, we have some other other people on deck ready to go. I don't know if we should spoil it or not. We always say a test of good etiquette is how you handle the the unexpected. Right. <laughs> and we thought we had a, a clever little plan. We were going to slide Peter Post in here to take my spot on the show and y- you will still be so blessed as to have a, a Lizzie Post, <laughs> Peter Post experience at, at some, some point. point. <laughs> but um, he is going to be unavailable. He's going to be driving down to Florida. He's going to be on the road. It would right. be difficult to coordinate to get him into a studio or somewhere we could get good, clean audio. Right, exactly. So, so we're kind of scrambling. We're, 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 we're queuing up other post family members. Yeah, Dan, Dan says we're scrambling. We're not scrambling at all. I'm totally stoked for the other people that we're going to try to get in here. And I think it's going to be really exciting to inv- introduce you to some of our family members. Well, I'm excited about it, too, for just that reason. They, they say oftentimes, um, what is it, a, a challenge is the same thing as opportunity or that, that whenever uh, life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. I love this idea of getting some of the post family voices on the show, but <laughs> some of the post family that maybe don't do etiquette full time aren't, time. Yeah. aren't 
employed by the Emily Post Institute. Loved Emily, spent time with Emily, might even remember Emily, but they aren't like the etiquette experts of the family. So it'll be real fun to have their perspective. I think that's always good, that fresh perspective. I couldn't agree anymore. Well, we still have you for this week's show, as long as little baby doesn't decide to come during our recording, which could be really exciting. But um, I think that while we've got you, we should probably get to some of our listener questions. Let's do it. All right. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or you can leave us a voicemail. That's right. We've got our new number. You can leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Our first question is titled, Wishy Washy Guests. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I love listening to your podcast every week and appreciate that you are making this content available for everyone. Every week, I feel that I can use the podcast as a way to self-reflect on my own interactions with others. I like that. Recently, I hosted a small dinner party that went awry before it even started. I would love your take on it. I invited two couples, both neighbors, over for dinner. I invited both couples in person. Couple A responded with an enthusiastic yes. Couple B was not as committal, but later texted me to say the wife could come as an individual as the husband could not make it. About five hours before the party, I got a text from couple A saying that the husband had accidentally double booked himself and now it would be just the wife coming over. I texted the wife of couple B to let her know that there would be one less person and wife B replied to my text by bailing on the party. At the end of the day, we had a great time, but I was so disappointed that the party crumbled down to one guest. My questions are, one, what do you do when you invite a guest over and get a wishy-washy response? How do you coax a firm commitment out of your guest? And two, was I wrong to text wife B about the change in plans? Did I effectively give her an opportunity to bail by telling her about the change in plans? Thanks so much, Anonymous. Anonymous, thank you for the question. And we titled this question cheekily, wishy-washy guest. But this is something we hear about all the time, about guests that have trouble committing, the the non-committal response. And in this particular case, you got an enthusiastic yes and a non-committal yes. I in some ways think that this non-committal yes might have been a good non-committal yes because the person then got back in touch with you. It turned out only one of the couple were going to be able to make it. I'd say that was definitely like an entertaining success in the host guest dance as you were told, let me check. They checked. Only one person committed. So they still sent, sent at least the the best party who could go, you know? <laughs> There's still some evidence that maybe there really was um, a conflict, some Something that needed to be negotiated or worked out, but still one person was going to come. So we're going to honor and acknowledge the good work there in the host guest dance. Now, the the second question of are you then obligated to let your other guests know about that? And the, the fact that one of the one couple of the a second bailed. couple, yeah. one of couple B isn't going to make it. Wait a second. Do you mean that at that time when couple B says they're only sending one of their couple, that you should then let couple A, who said both parties are going to come, should let them know? No. And I, I was just a little confused between my couple A and couple oh, B. Oh, OK. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But no, that's a, that's a perfect example of how you, you as a you host aren't necessarily responsible for keeping 
every guest informed about every other guest. So in the same way, couple A didn't need to know that couple B had gotten back to you and said just one was coming. (laughs) Then when they then changed their plans, you didn't need to go back and tell couple B that couple A had then changed their plans. Also, it's confusing to think about. It's confusing to talk about. There's a reason that you might not want to do it because it would be confusing to get everybody involved in this kind of way every time you're throwing a party. And ultimately, when someone says yes to an invitation, the idea is they've said yes. They're they're coming to the event. They've agreed to carve out that time, make that time, and to be there, to be present for you as a host. It's not a responsibility they've made to other guests. It's a responsibility, a commitment that they've made with you as a host. Sometimes <laughs> it's true, and I and and I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm sort of gonna walk out on a little plank. What here. limb are you going out on, cousin? <laughs> Sometimes, as a party starts to form, yeah. maybe a certain number of guests start to peel away. It starts to be a secret wish of the host that they might be able to change the nature of the event, that they might want to be able to get out of it, and they might even call and tell other guests that the nature of the party is changing. So and so can't make it. These people aren't gonna be there. It's not a good night. Maybe even kind of secretly hoping that the other guest is going to play a good etiquette role and back out themselves or say something like, well, you know, maybe there's a better night that we could all do this or we could get together. Or if it's really about getting us as a couple together with them as a couple, maybe another time would be better. And in some ways, as a host, when you keep coming back to a guest and telling them about other people not being there, you might even create that impression unintentionally. And this is, again, sort of a a bit of a tangential thought. But it's it's a good one, though. It's a good one because it does let you get to the idea that at some point, sometimes it is best to cancel the party or let the one remaining guest know, hey, turns out this is just going to be, you know, you, my husband and me. Like, this is just going to be a very little affair. And it's and we understand if you'd rather not come or if you'd like to, we're really excited to have you, too. And I think that's a good place to go to as a potential option so that a host doesn't have to feel like, oh, no, it's just so not what I planned it to be. That plan can change. As my mother says, stay tuned for further derangements. <laughs> and it's when all these arrangements we've made just get derailed. But something about the humor there that you just used uh, gave me an indication that as a host, you're still in okay. good spirits. You're still hopeful yeah. that it's OK and, and, and you're looking to proceed in whatever form that it takes. But communication is a good thing. You're not obligated to tell people that that the other guest plans have changed. It's an option, not an obligation. If this derangement, as my mother calls it, does have to occur, if you do have to restructure the party or even change the date, I think that it's always really helpful when the host goes into that conversation, either being really willing to have either of those things happen or having an agenda in mind. And rather than saying, so we could do either when what you really mean is I would love to cancel this party and reschedule for another day. So I think it's best that if you are open, yes, present both options because you can always have that small, you know, three person get together and then do the, the rescheduled party. And that's a great way to kind of honor both. But at the same time, if that's really not where you want to go, maybe this is like too disappointing for you or the day just got too hectic, whatever it is, it's okay to be clear with your directive and say, oh, Sharon, I was so looking forward to this, but it turns out with everybody bailing, it looks like it's going to be better to host this on a different night. I am so sorry to cancel last minute. I do think that you want to use that as a last resort because technically you've offered to host this person for dinner. They've probably planned on it. They might not have gone grocery shopping. 
shopping, they might not be prepared to to have in and be only because our our our, our question asker mentioned the five. Uh, our window that we're on the day of at this point. Yep. So probably not the best option in this scenario. But for other scenarios, it's absolutely appropriate if you want to cancel to cancel and say, you know, we're going to reschedule for another night. I'm so sorry for the change in plans. So there was one other question here that had to do with, is there a way to firm up that oh. commitment? So when you're getting that I don't want to call it wishy-washy, but the non-committal, yes. The, I, I'm interested. Let me check and get back to you. Yeah. What do you say? I say that you can do this. And let your host say, I'll get back to you. But say say something that gives them a deadline and be friendly about it. <laughs> something like, oh, yes, if you could let me know by Thursday, that would be excellent. Gives you a couple days if you're having a Saturday or Sunday night get together, you know, to, to prepare. However long you need, just ask for that particular date. Oh, if you could let me know by X date. That would be really great. It communicates to the guests that that's totally fine. Take your time. But at the same time, I need an answer by here because that's when my planning begins. And you don't have to explain that's when the planning and I need to have the headcount and I need to buy the grocery. You don't have to explain all that. You can just say by Thursday would be great. Thanks. So what if you don't hear by Thursday? Yeah, this is the tricky part. Now, I want to give every host out there the confidence to call your guests and ask for that answer. So simple. You can just say, hey, Natasha, checking in to see if you or you and Paul can make it on Sunday night. Um, You know, give me a call back. Or if you've gotten them on the phone, it immediately lets them know you need that answer and you're trying to get that answer. And it's an okay thing to do. One final thought that I'd like to leave you with is that I noticed that some of this communication was happening via text. And text can be awesome. It can be a really quick way to keep everyone in the loop. Oh, by the way, couple B is only going to be able to make it as half of couple B. And sending those quick notes can be a really good way just to, to stay on top of that information exchange. If it ever feels like things are getting confused or they're starting to be an emotional message that's getting obscured in that texting communication, I also want to encourage you, don't be shy. You can always pick up the phone, give Give someone a call, let them hear the tone of your voice, and they will pick up those subtle cues that I really would like to hear from you about this. Um, so important. You can actually get your answer this way. Whereas texting, they could just ignore it or miss it or something, right? So don't be shy. Don't be scared. Pick up that phone if you really do have a question that's starting to form in your mind. Anonymous, we really hope that helps and that you take good courage moving forward and you continue to be that excellent self-reflective host that we know you are. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. I titled our next question, Splitting Splits. (laughs) And this is truly an etiquette classic. Yeah. Here's the question. Recently, I was on a trip with seven women, two of whom were very wealthy. At dinner each night, they would order extremely expensive wine. I did not drink the wine. I ordered by the glass and had two glasses. One of the women in the group was 19 and underage and did not drink at all. In the end, the bill was split seven ways. I felt it was unfair to financially burden others for their indulgence. What would have been the proper way to handle this situation? Thank you, Sandra. Sandra, this is such a classic etiquette situation, and it's such a bummer of a situation, too, because you really want to feel good about going out to group dinners, and and you want to feel like, um, you know, like you get to choose what you're going to be spending. You're right. We don't all have the same budgets, and so it's really important to be respectful of that when we go out to eat. I would say that there are a couple ways to head this off at the pass or to deal with it in the moment. One would be when you're serving greets you, let him or her know that you'd like separate checks. And then you at least know that at the end you'll want to do our one of one of the next things down our list, option number three. But first, let's look at option number two, which is as your group starts to discuss what they'd like to eat or drink and you're not doing like family style where you order, you know, four meals for the seven of you to split. I think that you want to take notes of things like a non-drinker at the table or someone who's not ordering the same amount of food. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll often order an appetizer as my dinner. My mom does that a lot, too. That's one to take notice of or someone who does order the special, you know, that's the the priciest item on the menu or they order that bottle of wine or they order that glass of wine that's, you know, more like what you would imagine the cost of a bottle would be. The catch of the day by the pound. When these things start happening, it's okay to speak up and say, you know, it seems like we're all going to be ordering different items that are in really different price ranges. How about we take that into account when we split the bill later? And that's just one way to kind of pose the idea, get it out there. You're among friends mostly. This is not something I would suggest at a business meal. You know, this is not something I would suggest in a very formal setting, but it is something that casual among friends, I think it's perfectly appropriate to bring up. I think you just raised a really important important etiquette point, which is that sometimes there's a really um, identifiable host. There's somebody who's done Ah. the inviting, who's playing a hosting role, and they're going to pick up the bill. And when you're trying to decide what to order in that situation, there is a host guest dance of giving a tour of the menu where the host is sort of giving the guest a little bit of guidance about what they like, what they recommend, how they enjoy this restaurant. As a guest, there's a bit of a dance around watching your host for cues, maybe picking items that either mirror what 
what you're watching your host do or that fall in that safe middle territory on a menu. And I think you've really got to the crux of this question, which is that you start to have situations where there's not an identifiable host and where the the roles that people are playing aren't as clearly defined. In fact, there is this uh, understanding that this is going to be shared in some way. And in some ways, if you don't want to be at the mercy of that group decision making, I, I really like the way you're thinking about ahead of time introducing some ideas that say, you know, we, we, we might choose to split this up, not the easy way of taking the total and dividing it by the number of people that are sitting around this table, which is, is so, so easy. simple. <laughs> it's oftentimes going to be the default first choice. And right. I, I really like how you're starting to carve out ways to indicate that we might handle this differently and why. Yeah. And we're going to carve out one more way. And that's when the bill actually arrives and someone says, oh, let's just split it. You can easily speak up and say, while that's always the easiest way, I do think our orders were different enough that we should each pay our own order. And that even might be something where you might highlight that you ordered something if you feel comfortable doing that. It's also okay to stand up on behalf of someone else like that 19-year-old at the table and say, I totally understand that splitting is is an easy and quick way to go about it, but, you know... Carrie is 19 and didn't order any alcohol, and that really increases her bill if we do that to her, and I'd rather not do that. And I think that's one way that you can stand up for it. It's reasonable. It's as long as you're bringing it in a light tone, in a friendly, oh, I think we're just not paying attention to this tone. You don't want anyone to feel like they were trying to, you know, get money out of other people. That's obviously not what's going on. These women are used to ordering expensive things. They like the taste of expensive things. I know it seems not etiquette but they aren't thinking about our 19-year-old at the table or you. And I know it's not polite for them to not think about you in that manner, but it's also that when they're ordering, they're not thinking about the bill later on. But when the bill comes, all of a sudden it's at everybody's mind. And that's why it is also a good time to bring this up if it hasn't been addressed already. Like so many etiquette mistakes, it's not a mistake that comes from a place of bad intent. And I think it's it's so important to to keep that part of the way you respond to it, that, yes, it is a little bit rude. And at the same time, like so much rudeness in this world, it's often not intentional. So the way that you respond and call it out because you essentially you are, are going to be that, calling yeah. it out in some ways because you're 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 challenging an assumption that we're going to handle this the easiest way and you're going to suggest that you introduce a little more complication in the pursuit of fairness. Yes. Um, it's actually a, a complicated and subtle etiquette question because it involves maybe introducing a little discord. But what I really like about the way you did it is you're talking about introducing difference without that discord. One last thing to consider is that oftentimes when you do do the, the division, somehow the tip always comes out a little bit less. Or And I think that usually that happens because people forget about the tax when they're doing the divvying. So two things to watch out for when you do go the route of they wouldn't split the the restaurant wouldn't split the bill for us. So we have to and we're going to split it not evenly among ourselves really remind people to pay attention to tax and tip as well. And tax is different in every state and your tipping you know, decisions might be different. But if you throw in an extra dollar or two on top of it, you're pretty much going to guarantee that you cover for everybody. And it's always nice just throw in that little extra just in case. That is such a good reminder. And I also love that call to maybe even think about putting in a little extra just in case. It's not always about meeting your absolute minimum. Sometimes it's about contributing just a little bit more also. 
Sandra, thank you so much for this question. It was a, a really nice opportunity to revisit a perpetually challenging etiquette situation. What I like about our next question is that it's a brand spanking new etiquette question. <laughs> we actually haven't ever received this before. And I laughed when I got it because I have been in this situation with my father, Peter Post. Our question begins, TSA PreCheck. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I listen to you guys all the time on my way to work. I have a question about flight etiquette. I have TSA PreCheck and my friend who I'm traveling with does not. Is it completely rude of me to ditch her for the pre-check line? I really don't like to take my shoes off and my stuff out of my bag. Thank you for the help. Kate. Kate. So uh, second post, guilty as charged. (laughs) Dan Um, has pre-check too. (laughs) And uh, definitely um, first got introduced to this by Peter Post, Lizzie's father, who is a huge fan. He loves his TSA pre-check. Efficiency and technology. That man is up to date on everything. (laughs) I actually had this experience where I was traveling with him and he was an early adopter. He had pre-check as soon as you could possibly get it. And we navigated this exact situation. And um, I oftentimes found myself alone making my way through that TSA <laughs> line. Um, I'm an experienced traveler. I get through, I, I, I will say with some pride, the TSA check as fast as anybody. I've got my dock kit in its clear plastic bag and my laptop in an easy to access pocket that slides out. And it's a routine that regular and routine travelers get used to. And it's a great point of etiquette, a great courtesy to be prepared for that TSA line to keep it moving. I love opportunities to say that. And I think it's perfectly okay if you've got that pre-check to go and you're traveling with someone who doesn't to move through the pre-check and to wait for them and to let them know where you're going to see them. You know, we're going to come out on the other side. My favorite little Starbucks is right there. I'll see you there. Oh, there's some chairs just down by our gate. I'll see you there. Um, If it's someone who's not as familiar with TSA, if you're traveling with someone who's not as experienced as you are, and I'm assuming anyone with TSA pre-check is an experienced traveler, that you might offer to stick with them. If you're traveling with somebody who's got a lot of materials, who's carrying either your shared family gear or shared work gear, you want to be sure that you do your share of carrying and managing all of that. (laughs) Don't just leave them with the heavy load. (laughs) And even if it's their stuff, if they need some help with it, maybe offer to stick around and help. Thinking of a number of different situations, maybe someone's got strollers or kids Mm -hmm. and you're not burdened in the same way or you're not traveling with as many responsibilities or if it's just someone who's not as familiar with the TSA and um, it's something that might make them nervous or you just feel like they would enjoy the company. You've definitely got the option of heading on your own, but I think that thinking of yourself as a good host and a good companion is also an important part of good etiquette. Those (laughs) responsibilities come with those rights. And I think knowing the person you're traveling with, too. I mean, even if they're not loaded down with tons of stuff, just knowing whether they're the kind of person that would be really annoyed by this or whether they're the kind of person that would be totally fine with it, it might weigh into my factor only because, like, I am an experienced traveler, so standing in that security line, like, it's NBD for me. No big deal. I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'll go through. Like, I just don't sweat that line. I don't get irritated when it's not moving. Like... Sure, if my flight was starting to get close, I'd be I'd start sweating bullets. But ask yourself, you know, like, it, would this person really appreciate it if I stayed with them? And how much is that of cost to me? 
My father is someone who he loves the fact that he can get through that line fast. So I'm not even going to ask him to stay with me, who has been the lazy post and not gotten her TSA pre-check approved. If you're with someone who you know can't stand waiting in line and has paid for a service to make sure they don't have to wait in line, just let them go. Don't give them grief about it. I'm imagining a, a young couple, and oh, can't you maybe just see she it? is a, a frequent traveler for work and has pre-check, and he doesn't, and they're traveling together for for personal Vacation, purposes, yeah. and all of a sudden he's standing there and she just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your little antenna up. Think about your situation. The vast majority of etiquette mistakes are common sense mistakes. And if you think a little bit ahead of time, you're not likely to leave your boss waiting in the TSA line while you go zip through (laughs) pre-check and uh, end up paying for it later on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is titled, It's Not Okay. And can I just say, I personally am going to love the two of us answering this question because I agree. Sometimes it's not okay. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love your podcast and look forward to it every week. I'd first like to thank you for being so consistent with releasing new episodes. I can always count on it to start my week. At my work, we have a very collaborative team of managers. We typically work very well together. However, one coworker, let's call her Karen, tends to be late on deadlines and has poor communication. And it seems to be becoming a habit. It often affects me directly. I have to pick up her slack, and it's even caused me to be late on deadlines. There have been at least two times I've had to do her work completely because she left on vacation without finishing or even starting a time-sensitive project. That's a little backstory. The situation, recently, was that we had laid out a plan for a project. Through a series of meetings, we'd all agreed on this plan and our roles and responsibilities in keeping it. Karen deviated from it, which obviously ruffled feathers for the rest of the team. It undermined a phase of the plan that was yet to come and also had missteps in the execution. I hope that's clear enough with not getting into too many details. I think so. We resolved the issue together as a team, which was great. But then she said, I'm sorry, this was so unclear. With her habit of going rogue, I didn't feel the appropriate response for me was to say it's okay because it's not okay. I also feel like the apology was a bit of a cop-out because it felt as if she was implying the blame was shared. When it was clear to the rest of us, she either chose to deviate from the plan on purpose or somehow it slipped her mind. My response ended up being, I appreciate it, Karen. My typical response, it's okay or no worries, just weren't doing it for me. Was there something better I could have said that was a polite way to say, no, that's not okay, without being rude? I also felt like it wasn't my place to address the habitual nature of this and stuck to the situation at hand, since she doesn't report to me. Help! Frustrated. Oh, frustrated. I feel for you. And I just I'm so grateful for your question because sometimes it's not okay. And just brushing off the work that someone didn't do as permissible, I think, is a problem. Teams are really a part of the fabric of business today, and they can be great for getting work done. But your problem defines the major problem of teams. One person who doesn't do their part. Maybe it's two persons. Maybe it's uh, two people. Excuse me. When they're not so 
team-like? Yeah, when teams aren't team, there's no I in team, right? You know, I mean, we could go through all the wonderful cliches. But it's this is frustrating, and this is something that needs to be brought, I think, to management's attention. I think good for you to think first about what standing you had to correct her behavior before speaking with her about it. Personally, I would probably be, I'm, I'm a little more confrontational, I would be in the camp of, you're on the team, there were defined tasks, I think that it would be perfectly appropriate to ask the group to review the process together mm-hmm. and that that could be one option for maybe it's like the step before going to a manager. Um, but I do like the fact that frustrated took a minute and said, I am not her direct manager. I shouldn't be the one to call her out on this. And I think it's just smart to think about that before you actually do it. I do think that there is a little bit of an order to the process of of getting to this problem. I would say that before going to a manager, I would try to get that kind of team review thing going, where as a team, we had a project we had to execute. Let's review how it went. Mm-hmm. Where were our breakdowns? What happened? Because as a group, you can identify problems. There might have been problems with other people on the team, too. But this isn't a, t- a chance to gang up on Karen. But Karen's claiming no clarity in this situation. Mm-hmm. She's saying it wasn't clear what I was supposed to have done. And I think it's not a bad idea to come back together and say, OK, Karen felt this wasn't clear. Why don't we review how we got to the decision that we got to and examine if it was clear or not? And I think sometimes you do have to do things like that to show somebody, listen, no, we sent you the email. We gave the write up with the tasks. This is what you submitted afterwards. I think it was pretty clear. And then I think you got to kind of take next steps from there. I like the direction that you're going with this, with looking for some accountability to the team, really trying to establish some accountability to the group that had met and developed a plan. And then that plan wasn't it wasn't followed. Someone <laughs> didn't conform to it. And, yeah. and just one person, most of the group did. And how you can find a way to build that accountability and to create a situation where everybody's going to succeed moving forward becomes the real goal here. And I, I, I'm, I'm sort of imagining in my head a three-part process to okay. get there. Tell me. So the first being the, the check-in afterwards. Okay. And, and that's the most immediate opportunity. Is that, that check-in with the whole group or just frustrated to Karen? I would say first the first and then second the second. <laughs> so, uh, so first the group and then maybe a direct check-in with yep. Karen. Okay. And, and I think the direct check-in with Karen is going to take that difficult conversations framework that we've talked about here before. You prime them ahead of time. Say, you know, there's something a little difficult I'd like to talk with you about. And is now a good time? Yes, absolutely. I'd be willing to get together after lunch. So now you've had that time. You've primed them. You've got their agreement. I think you can do when you I feel statements. You can take some responsibility. You know, Karen, I was really disappointed with the way this project came out. I thought we had a really clear plan and then we weren't able to follow that plan. I would have that discussion from the perspective of this is what I saw. This is how it made me feel. I wanted to let you know I I care about you and your success. I care about the success of our team. I care about the next project going really well. I don't want to be in a situation where we feel like we have to apologize to each other afterwards. I want to be helpful (laughs) in making that happen. We always say whenever you bring up a problem, be prepared to bring up a solution and be part of that solution. So you might offer to go over the plan outline with her ahead of time after it's created so that people are clear about deadlines. How about just suggesting to her that if you decide to change your plan, schedule a group meeting and talk to us about it? 
I love that idea. Yeah, like that's my question is why does Karen just go rogue? Sometimes people have a really hard time asking for help. And that might be a reason she might go rogue. And even just having the permission to come back to the group if she's starting to feel in over her head or like she's unable to meet a deadline. Um, Maybe... It's it's hard to know because she doesn't report to the other people in the group. The other people in the group might not know everything that she's dealing with, the particular list of priorities that she's trying to manage. And I like that acknowledgement that I'm not the person she reports to. So the the whole nature and tone of the difficult conversation about, a frankly, a failure to make responsibilities or make commitments or meet deadlines is – is really tricky, subtle territory. At the same time, most people would rather hear about a problem from a coworker than from a supervisor or manager. So giving her that opportunity, I think, is something that that is worth thinking about. That's the first moment yeah. of intervention. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. me, the second moment comes before the next group project. And that, that's the moment you check in again and say, again, with the group, I know there was some difficulty last time. I really want to be sure we're all clear on our deadlines and we all think that they're makeable. So that you start to get that buy-in from the group ahead of time. And if Karen has raised the issue of clarity, then I think that you meet that clarity standard and you meet it to the Every way you can, man. The email, the notes, the memo afterwards. I mean, do it all. Do we need to have project check-ins? Yep. Do we need to do a project management file in our shared file system is there is is there something we can all do to help each other stay accountable and then i think you get to the the third step which is the where you start to protect and take care of yourself you talk to your manager or supervisor about the about your success meeting your deadlines how good you feel about the teamwork that's good and where you're encountering problems or difficulties and Absolutely. that is what your supervisor boss or manager is there for it's not about reporting to Karen's supervisor, manager, or boss. You can just talk to the person that you report to, and it's really their job to to help figure out what the hierarchy or chain of command is that's going to hold Karen accountable if the group can't do that and she can't do that herself. So there you have it, frustrated. You have some avenues for talking to Karen directly, for reviewing projects after when you've had teamwork done, for setting positive goals for the next project, and then when the next project actually comes, implementing those goals and then following up if you need to with your own manager about how this process is going and where the breakdowns do occur. And I think that that is, that is going to help you in navigating how to work with Karen effectively and also without just taking on a ton of the the kind of excuses that she just keeps giving. And I think that that's an okay place to be without walking into someone's office and saying, you just don't do your work, right? That's not what we want, even though that's what we feel. Best of luck to you, Frustrated. We hope that your next project is a total success. Remember those simple rules of office etiquette. And you'll get along in the business world. As always, thank you so much for your questions. They really are the beating heart of the show. You can send us updates, your comments or thoughts on the advice that we give, or your next etiquette salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Please leave us a voicemail on our new number, 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can reach us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. 
Oh, our feedback section, one of my favorite sections of our show. And we have a very short but gratifying note from Haley, who absolutely loves the podcast and was imbued by its spirit during a family issue that arose recently. Haley writes... While I was listening today, my family was group texting and there was some awkward bickering between my parents that made me feel uncomfortable. I took a beat to consider and then was able to make a comment that smoothed things over in the conversation and kept it moving past what was said. I was grateful for the etiquette vibes of consideration, respect, and honesty that permeated my afternoon and allowed me to react appropriately in the heat of the moment. I'm sitting here golf clapping for <laughs> etiquette vibes of consideration, respect, and honesty. I, I'm delighted that the very concept of etiquette vibes is alive in this world. Oh, me too. I thought that was really awesome. And how nice to have it solve what is, in effect, something that is simple but was frustrating. You know, it's like you can you can ignore a lot of text conversation. You can ignore ignore a lot of things throughout the day. But to maybe not have to ignore but to help and to change and to make it better, that's a nice impact to be able to to make. Haley, we are so glad that that text conversation did not turn into a a, a crazy, all-out, frustrating, difficult family holiday mess. We're feeling the etiquette vibes ourselves. <laughs> we also got a short but potent note of encouragement from Sherelle, who writes, I've listened to your podcast for a year now. And like so many other listeners, it's become a go-to for me. I'm so excited to hear that y'all are going independent and wanted to send a huge congrats to you both for this move. I can imagine that it's a thrilling new challenge, and I want you to know that your listeners will be supporting you along the way. Happy holidays, Sherelle. Thank you so much, Sherelle. We feel that support, and we feel it from all of you. Thank you all. In episode 104, we tackled a question called Container Conundrum, and Container Conundrum wrote in on behalf of her sister about Tupperware and dishes being unreturned, and she has an update for us. Hello, I wanted to write you with a quick update on the Tupperware situation. My sister never did get the dishes back from the hosts, but she's at peace with that now. Her husband is a teacher, and the hosts have brought him food many times when he was working late on the extracurriculars he sponsors, which she feels more than makes up for the dish they still have. Hopefully, she'll take your advice in the future about labeling the containers so she can get them back for sure. Thank you for answering our question. Well, and thank you for the feedback. And I, I'd make that trade. I, I, I don't know. It depends on the dish that I left. I mean, you know. A Tupperware for an endless string of homemade meals? Okay, okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> thank you all for your feedback. We absolutely love it. So please keep it coming. If we've answered your question on the show, we would love an update for how the situation turned out for you. Are you feeling better? Are you feeling worse? How could we make it great? Or if we've given some advice that you find suspect, (laughs) if you think you would handle a situation we've discussed slightly differently, we want to hear that also. We learn right along with all of you. So please keep that feedback coming. But wait, wait, wait. Can't they also just tell us they like us? Can't we get that feedback too, Dan? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No matter what your feedback is, we would love to hear it. So please send it in via our email, awesomeetiquetteemilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette. Hello? 
today's postscript is going to be a little different because I, I wasn't supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> And Lizzie had sort of a fun a, a fun exercise built into the script, and I decided that I was just going to get on board with it, because... Yes, I'm really glad that you are here today, because I specifically wanted to save this one for you. I thought it was really cool. I did it myself about, oh my gosh, four years ago now, I think. Um, I was right, right around just the turn of 30, and I was watching a lot of TED Talks at that time. I had gone through some changes in life and life wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. And, uh, you know, finding my place as an adult in the world. And I came across this short TED Talk that was called Your Life's Purpose in Five Questions. And I know, right? Like, sounds like, okay, all right, that easy. <laughs> and it's by Adam Lipsig. And it's a TED Talk from Ted Malibu. And in answering five questions, you will be able to string a sentence together that defines your life's purpose. And I thought that this would be a really fun one to walk Dan through and see what he comes up with. And then I'll read you what I came up with. Sight after unseen. for mine. Sight unseen. And I, I love the fact that you didn't scroll down and read further. Thank you. Good, good man, cuz. Good man. Okay, so follow along with us. And the first question is such an easy question. Are you ready? Yes. Who are you? Dan? Yeah. Daniel Post Senning. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Bingo! You answered it right. One out of five. One out of five. All right. Dan, what do you love to do? What's like the one thing you feel supremely qualified to do or teach to somebody? I love to move. To move? Like body, boxes, what? Uh, um, uh, a body. <laughs> I was a dancer for 10 years. In my 20s, I worked in the performing arts, dancing. And to this day, the thing that gives me the most pleasure is moving with friends or family, dancing. Okay. So actually, you've gotten to question number three, which is, who do you do this for? Who do you do it for? Friends and family. I would assume you do your dancing for you as well, right? Oh. Right? I mean, you do. That's a part of it, right? I'm Absolutely. Just, I'm only asking because I want to make sure we get everybody into question number yeah. three. Now, why do they want or need this? Because we all live in bodies. Okay. We all live in bodies. How do they change as a result of you moving your body? All right. Now, that could go in a lot of different directions, but we'll keep it PG for this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think moving together makes us all feel present with each other. So I think feeling present with each other. There you go. Okay. So, hold on one second. I have to type this up. I'm so curious what's going to happen here. This is mildly terrifying. My life's purpose defined in five questions. Okay. So, who are you? I am Dan Post-Senning. And what do you love? And I love to move my body. For who? For myself, my friends, and my family. And what do they need or want? Because we all live in our bodies. And how does this affect them? And it makes them feel present with each other when they experience a performance. So read the whole thing together without me interrupting. I am Dan Post-Senning, and I love to move my body for myself, my friends, and my family, because we all live in our bodies, and it makes them feel present with each other when they experience a performance. Okay, so this Isn't is that wild. kind of fun? I, and you and I live in such an intellectual world. We're always thinking about things and writing and talking about human behavior, and yet when we drive down to life's purpose, it gets very visceral. It gets very embodied and very real for me. I love that. I will tell you that when I did mine, 
I really took, and I saw you doing this too, and I, it's why I love that your answer was about movement because you are so a dancer to me, and so much of what your awareness is in the world is your spatial awareness and how your body fills that space and moves through it and connects with other people. So I was so glad you chose that one. When I was doing this, I don't know what struck on that particular day, but I was glad that I didn't just say like, oh, I love to cook, you know, and that is something I love to do. And it would genuinely be kind of, I think, the next thing I would go to if I had answered this a little bit differently. Um, But mine came out that I am Lizzie Post. And something that I love to do is to listen and help people. Who do I do it for? My friends and family, much like you, and also for myself, you know. Um, What do they need? I always think they need compassion. They need that listening ear. They need that, like, They need someone to pay attention and love them for a minute, right? And then how do they change as a result? They feel better. So my sentence read like this. My name is Lizzie Post, and I love to listen and help my family and friends because they want or need compassion. And afterwards, they feel better. And after I read that sentence back to myself, I was sitting in my office when I did this. I said, man, My job directly reflects my purpose in life. I am so happy right now. And I like, I swear to you, Dan, that was like this revelatory moment for me in feeling like what I did for a living and how I spent most of my day not necessarily was my passion in life, but I do think it's my purpose. And it was really exciting. So I'm very glad that you got one that is equally as exciting and true to your nature and kind of who your being is in this world. Well, I uh, I feel a little closer to my purpose. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Not usual right? etiquette exercise, but I, I, I appreciated the opportunity of the this special week to to investigate a little bit more deeply what it is that really motivates me. So take a minute for yourself. Ask yourself, who are you? What do you love to do? Or what are you supremely qualified to teach to someone? Who do you do it for? What do they need or want? And how do they change as a result? And see if you can come up with your life's purpose. Adam Lipsig, thank you so much for providing us with this. It was a really fun task, and I greatly appreciated it. Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. We close each show with an etiquette salute. Today's salute comes from Silas, who's seeing a particular company use an etiquette classic to connect its customers and its employees in a positive way. I have an etiquette salute for you. Mine is to the company Uber. I really like it that after I rate my driver after each ride, I have the option to write him or her a thank you note. I think this is a wonderful way to demonstrate civility and get people unaccustomed to the practice to fall in love with it as I certainly have. Way to serve your employees and the public at the same time. Silas, thank you for that salute. We oftentimes do very personal salutes on this show. And from the very start, Lizzie and I oftentimes imagined doing salutes to organizations or celebrities who've really making an effort to take in civility into the public sphere. And I appreciate your reminding me that etiquette salutes are great for the companies that are out there doing good work as well as the people. Thank you, Uber. And thank you, Silas. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. 
As always, if you love the show, please help us out. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Our show is produced by the savvy Chris Albertine. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know?